Megan and I, we got a Peloton a couple weeks ago, and and Larry, I know Rachel got one, and she's all about it. Megan's all about it, and I'm enjoying it. Have you done it yet, Larry? She won't let me touch it. No? (laughs) No. I'm not allowed around. I'm not allowed around it. Around the baby? Megan, like, insisted I use the Peloton. Well, you know, I could use it. But um, but they have these... I uh, can't come in... I can't come into the. I can't come into. Oh, you're the not room even that. Oh, it. it's a it's a sacred space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just hear Megan in the other room being like, "Yeah, get it, go, uh huh." Like every I now hear, and then. I hear, the same, I hear um, the same thing. But I did. But but in preparation for this, I went on. They have these uh, scenic rides that are like you know. There's some longer. A lot of them are like 15 minutes or so, and they have a scenic Bavaria ride. So I took a little bike nice. ride through Bavaria this afternoon, just in preparation for this. About less than a minute in. You go by what looks like a beer garden, and that was awesome. really tough because <laughs> I, re- I realized I was like, I'm just on this bike. Yeah, I'm like, what am I doing here? I regret this, but it was it was very beautiful. Although the scenic rides are also like clearly filmed on a drone mm-hmm. as you're flying every now and then. It's like flying over like rocks that you clearly can bike over, or you're going down a path and there's like people walking. And on this ride, there was particularly like one older older woman like walking who like i think got spooked by the drone and she kind of like backs oh. up and like gets out of the way and she's just like what huh? older bavarian they do not <laughs> like, like drones you know what though what also i realized when i feel like i could pass for bavarian i don't know if that's a good i don't know if that's a good thing but or yeah i don't know if you aspire to that but yeah you, you can ask. i saw some big dudes wearing shorts in bavaria and i was like i could but, i could pass. but they're made of leather Oh shoot! Quits are later, hold. I didn't get a close enough look. I was whizzing by on my on my sick bike. But let's well get done. to it. Speaking of uh, Bavaria, this is our second taster. Welcome to taster number two, everybody of Liquid Bread. What's going on? We got Larry Bates. What's good? What's good? We got Rich Higgins. Hey, let's drink some beer. Yeah, we got ourselves. We got each got ourselves a Hof. Oh yeah, it's Hofbräu Oktoberfest beer. But it looks like Hofbräu and. You're probably pretty safe in the U.S. saying Hofbrau. What are oh, those two gosh. dots doing over that A, Maddie? I don't know. Do? It's, it's like a t- it's a printing error on the, on the <laughs> Hofbräu. Hofbräu. Yeah. Yep. Yep. In German, when when you get the 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 dots over the A followed by an, a U, it's not pronounced ow. It's pronounced oi. Oi. So yeah, Hofbräu. And and uh, you won't find many Brois outside of Bavaria. It's sort of a Bavarian thing. So usually the rest of Germany, you're safe, same brow. But in Bavaria, usually you'll, you'll find a lot of broys. If you want to taste along and you don't have one, pause it and head on out to, you can get these, I mean, the, you know, Bevmo is, or whatever, whatever yeah, your local bottle shop. My, um, pretty common beer. Yeah, we have a bottle, Hofbräu, Oktoberfest beer. Uh, Rich, uh, is there anything you want to say about the brewery itself? It's been around a long time, obviously. Uh, <laughs> it's, it is cool because it's connected to the state government of Bavaria. You know, like what other country owns breweries and i mean nowadays in the 20th century or (laughs) whoops 21st century perhaps is where we are they you know it's like it's almost quaint i guess if a if a if a government owns a brewery but like back in the 1500s when or 1600s or whenever the the hofbräu was was opened it was like a necessary function for the government to help provide like good beer to the people i'm not saying it was like a mission of like the government like saying hey try our beer it's the purest out there it was a it was a commercial venture they wanted to make money on it Mm -hmm. however they're just like hey you know all you private breweries you can try doing this but we're going to sort of you know muscle in on you and and try to make money ourselves and cut out the middleman basically socialist instead of yeah instead of instead of getting taxes from private companies they're like yeah screw it let's let's cut out these taxes and let's just sell our beer ourselves universal beer all right that's right so yeah Pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool history. Yeah. 
Awesome. So I guess we're going to crack these open right now. Do we all have bottles? Uh, yes. Yep, yep. Great. Any cans out there? I, I haven't seen any it? cans in the U.S. Rich, uh, you want to take uh, us through the uh, the tasting of the October? Certainly, festival? yeah. Go ahead. Let's, um, do it. let's do it. Oh, wait. Actually, now let's see. Guys... Larry, do you have anything to say before we taste this? Any thoughts going in? Um, what are your expectations? No, I, I just um, – uh, the bottle is brown. <laughs> the label is yellow with some blue. And – the Bears won on Sunday, so oh, let's, yeah. let's drink. Cut to the chase. <laughs> <laughs> well, well narrated, Larry. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So, of course, you guys, as you pour, you're pouring into uh, one liter glass mugs, right? Uh, yeah. Let's just, let's, just say, let's just say yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that is that is called a moss, and it's it's uh, spelled M A. That's that funny. B letter. It's actually called a double S for a double S, but it's uh, it sort of looks like that that weird B capital B. Anyway, that's that's a moss. That's your that's your one liter uh, glass mug, and that is the proper vessel for uh, large Bavarian drinking festivals. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oktoberfest is certainly in that festival. So as you pour your fest beer into that, hopefully you've got multiple bottles Say of this three, three in order. Bottles is gonna get my yeah three there. bottles to fill it up. Yeah, it's a three hundred thirty milliliter bottle. And I say uh, that because so it's in front of me right now, and I'm doing it. Well, you're, you're a good reader. Good. Uh, so, yeah, in the U.S., that's usually what you'll find. Um, but in Germany, you'll often find half-liter bottles, so you just need to pour two of them. Um, or you can go to Oktoberfest and just get a single <laughs> draft pour of this stuff. Sounds like the best uh, But way. regardless, <laughs> that's right, exactly. Um, so uh, you should pour it in. Make sure you get a head on there, so the head should uh, rise up well, at least go. two fingers up above uh, the line of beer. That's sort of the, the standard Bavarian lager uh, uh, trick. Just kind of measure two fingers above the uh, the line of the beer, the level of the beer, and that should be how much head you have. And then the head, you'll notice, is nice and white. And then the uh, beer itself is sort of golden, deep golden, maybe even. Um, and so that is uh, that's kind of the, the characteristic fest beer look. That is very different from what a lot of Americans expect out of an Oktoberfest beer. So Oktoberfest is an old nickname for an old style of beer that was darker in color and it was amber and so a lot of american breweries and a lot of american drinkers say hey oh oktoberfest beer should be should be dark in color should be amber in color um and taste like caramel and be really sweet i shouldn't say really sweet but sort of sweet but that uh fell out of favor in germany in the 1980s or so uh, at Oktoberfest, the breweries that supply beer to Oktoberfest started to realize that they could sell more beer if it was paler in color mm-hmm. Yeah, I was and gonna. So, it's. I was gonna say. Sorry to interrupt you, now. but like, I, I when I was like reviewing the the last episode, color seemed really important. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. just I mean, it makes sense. You know, the look of it. It looks good. Looks bad. Whatever. But like, it seemed even as we were talking about the differing styles and stuff like that, color kept on coming up much more than I expected. Well, you know, I mean, these beers have a lot of history because they are they're lagers. They're brewed in Munich. It's like the seat of like lager brewing culture and all that stuff. And Oktoberfest has been around for a couple hundred years. So there's a history, but there's also a real fashionability aspect or fashionable aspect to this beer that helps to sell large quantities of it. And people are obsessed nowadays with pale colored beer. And so that really is, that sort of won the day and has helped to translate this beer throughout the ages and make it lighter and lighter in color. Mm. So for better or for worse, you're not going to get a lot of caramel yeah. aroma or caramel taste off of this one. So I hope by now, you're ignoring what I'm saying. You're actually just drinking. The I've beer not. I've me. not taken a sip yet. I was. I was waiting to, I've, to I've get all the info. I wanted to be prepared. I've been quiet. I've I'll been drinking. You, it's, I'll tell you. It's a strong <laughs> smell, though. Sure. Yeah. It, it was well, a, yeah. I was, I was about to say, you can go ahead and sip it. But if you want to go through the the order of operations, take a look I'm at the beer. I'm all about the order of operations. The 
So you assess the appearance, then you assess the aroma, then you taste yeah, the beer finally. But yeah, so that aroma is a full, you know, it's it's a strong aroma. Yeah. Um, and what Maddie and Larry, how, how would you guys describe that aroma? What do you guys get off? I this don't. Beer? I don't smell it. Maybe Have I'm you poured it into a, a larger glass? Like I'm wondering if Maddie is getting the strong smell because it's poured into a, a large glass, so he's got a lot of room to to nose it. I got a I got a big like glass mug. Like you mm-hmm. kind of usually freeze, so yeah, the, mm. the mouth is pretty. I don't smell anything. I might have COVID. Oh no! This is how we find out. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, it smells like beer, but I don't smell any like special smell, like a strong mm. smell. Yeah, know? I guess I, 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 yeah, when I say strong smell, it's just it is the beer, but it was just a very when I poured it, it was I don't know if it was just you know how it's been well preserved. If it's beer's better preserved, is it going to smell stronger, Rich? Am I just it should. It, it depends on what is driving the source of the, the aroma of the beer. Like hops will – the beer you guys, you know, that we're drinking right now is not particularly hop forward. And so its aromas won't fade too much over time. But a beer that is all about, you know, hop aromas, mm-hmm. that definitely will fade. Okay. But it sounds my, – my hunch here is, Maddie, have you had a beer today? I have I not. Guess is no. No. And Larry, have you had a beer today? Earlier? <laughs> I have two. You're not alone. Uh, so my hunch is, Maddie, you're just excited about beer, so you get a lot of aroma off this. <laughs> okay. Particularly sensitive. It's mental preparation. Okay. What was that bike ride got me in the mood? That is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Did I bust you, Larry? Have you had a beer earlier? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I certainly have. Today's my day off. Today's my Sunday, so I, I've had a bunch of beers. Yeah, I'm already. My voice is cracking. I've had a bunch of beers today. Nice. Um, but yeah, so Maddie, you're probably. Your, your your nose is basically saying, "Hey, give me some, give me some damn beer." But regardless, this beer should have a decent amount of aroma. Yeah, and you can look at one thing on the on the package on the on the label to to kind of guess how much aroma the beer might have. Oh, okay, and if you look at it, it says, "Where does it say?" Uh, does it even say it here? It's six point three percent alcohol. Does the label not even say that? I don't see it on here. Oh, there it is. Yep, right in the middle on the back. So you guys see that 6.3% alcohol by volume. That is there because a lot of malt was added to this beer. So a lot of beers, you know, kind of standard beer might be 45 5, 5.5% alcohol. This beer has an elevated alcohol content that comes from more malt. And so as you smell this beer, you should smell a lot of malt aroma on this beer. Yeah. So uh, what would you guys describe you get on the nose? Um, okay, I'm getting a little, like, a little cracker. Mm-hmm. You would, you would disagree? <laughs> no, I'm all, right. I'm all right with Cracker. It really is bready. Um... Uh-huh. Yeah, so, all right. So, I'll I'll let the cat out of the bag on, on this one. So, it should out. smell malty. It should smell bready. And because it's in this color spectrum, in the paler color spectrum, you're not going to get, like, toast and yeah. caramel and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Right? So within yeah, it's not burnt at all or anything like that. Yeah. So, within the paler spectrum, you get a lot of kind of boring-sounding stuff. Like, when you think of, like... I don't know, paint colors or, you know, looking through like shirt colors in a Land's End catalog or something like it's someone's job to come up with like interesting sounding descriptors for, you know, how, how to describe these colors instead of like, you know, beige or something or, you know, taupe or something for the color of your walls. It might be like sand or, you know, sea spray or something sort of like evocative like that. Okay. So within the malt aromas on beer, when it's pale in color, you don't get the sexy stuff like toast and toffee burnt sugar, molasses, caramel, you know, there are all sorts of interesting flavors that you can get 
and aromas that you can get off of malt when it's been roasted and toasted and caramelized. But in the paler spectrum, a lot of people struggle to come up with what the hell they're really smelling. But the fact is, a lot of the food that we actually eat has a lot of these aromas. So I always tell people, imagine yourself walking through a bakery, all right, and look around and imagine different types of bread, okay? Actually envision different loaves of of bread, different pastries, different cookies, different desserts. Do that while you're smelling the beer. And that should help mm-hmm. you to figure out some of the Ooh. some of the aromas that you smell. That's pretty so, that's, yeah. that's really great, Rich. All of cool. a sudden, I get, I'm getting some. Why well, I, I feel like I get like yeah, I get like. Sweeter. Man, you're, you're interrupting. What, what, what do you get there? What, Sorry, what do you Dad. Get? I mean, a little bit of fi- like almost like a fig Newton. You know, like a like a. Some... Yeah. Did you hear me? I, I, is I that weird? You. No, that's not weird. I mean, whatever you get is is right for you. You know, I'm never going to say. You're right or wrong on this sort of thing, but you know if you if there's something. But you in- did just say. But you did just say that I could like if I was like, oh, I get a lot of toffee and molasses. Yeah, if you get hops, you're wrong. That would that would, that would be wrong. Well, <laughs> then you, that, I think he's just confident. He's confident in us that we'll get it right. I think. Is well, no. Says. Now now we're going down the rabbit hole of sensory uh, sense memory. Oh. Okay, so if yeah. you walk into a room. The first time you ever smell molasses, okay, and you walk into a room and it's like some weird I science totally experiment it. is going on and they're busy yeah. baking baguettes or something and throwing baguette aroma at you, but they show you a picture of molasses, your brain's going to file away. Oh, mm-hmm. that molasses stuff smells 100%. like baguette. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So I can't say like your sense memory is like, you know, everyone has their own sense memory. Yeah. Basically, I think it would be surprising to get caramel or molasses off this but i think something like bread crust is perfect yeah. uh, fig newton so not so much the fig but like the newton if that's a thing is that the name yeah, of the yeah. newton. kinky that's stuff the newton. On the yeah i think that's the like the outside of, of a pop tart yeah, yeah sure i, was yeah, say, I so feel like, like i get like the croissant part of a chocolate croissant or something mm. like the enriched dough otherwise yeah. known as a croissant yeah I guess. well but i feel like but you get when it's but it's sweeter though i have like it, it's sweeter okay because there's sure. chocolate well, near it and it's it's either uh, <laughs> mentally connecting or a little bit of it yeah. seeped out. yeah well there's a lot of weird psychology at play here and i think the sweet thing is i, I get a little bit of a honey aroma off of this mm. beer so there are two reasons for that honey aroma first of all when you add a whole lot of pale malt to a beer to make a beer uh, it can throw off honey aromas just straight up. Okay, that that's kind of what pale malt can do if there's a lot of it. Okay, furthermore, this beer has traveled six thousand miles to get to us in the United States from Germany. All right, so it was probably wow. brewed. I hate to pull back the curtain on this one, but it was probably brewed in July. Okay, <laughs> it was meant for Oktoberfest time, so late September, early October. But in order for the brewery to brew enough of it and make sure it gets out to you know all the outlets that they're selling it around the world, they need to brew it months in advance. Mm-hmm. So because of that, this beer is not the freshest beer in the world. The one I'm drinking is totally enjoyable. It's not it's not unacceptably dated or stale. But as as beers stale, they can start to do something called oxidize, and there are a lot of different types of oxidation. Mm-hmm. They're not all bad and they're not all negative, but one of the one of the traits of a slightly oxidized beer is a honey aroma, and you might get that honey aroma in sherries also. And sherries and like Madeiras and things like that are oxidatively aged, so it's intentional, and they get sort of honeyish. So I think in the U.S. at least we're getting sort of a, a slightly elevated honey aroma out of our out of our Hofbräu Fest beer. Gotcha. But regardless, yeah. So uh, we got fig new, we got honey, we got bread crust, we got chocolate um, red, croissant, white, just white the bread croissant itself, part, croissant, but not normal yep, croissant. croissant. 
not normal croissant. Think... No, no, just <laughs> chocolateless. Why would you order? Why would you order a normal croissant when there's a pan of chocolate right there? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and so Maddie, where I was going with that is that is that honey reminds us of sweet. Okay, but mm. when you smell honey, it doesn't smell sweet. It smells like honey. Hmm. It smells like flowers, and it smells like this stuff called phenyl acetate, and it's just like a lot of different aromas that are in honey that our brains. I was going to say that. I was going to say phenyl acetate. I was going to say that this was. Larry, I had to, I had to beat you to it. You know, I, yeah, sorry, I this is a competitive I show. I was, I'm sorry. I was going to say it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So when you taste honey, you finally realize that this collection of aromas that your brain is experiencing mm-hmm. when you just smell it actually also tastes sweet. Okay. But when we taste this beer, and please tell me you've tasted it by now. I have. Uh, as you sense. taste this beer, the beer is not a, a very sweet beer, but it does have a slight honey aroma, slight sweet aroma. And so that's just a, a trick that our brains are are playing on us, to, or I guess maybe that the brewers are playing on us, yeah. to make a beer that smells sort of soft and, and reminds us of sweet things. But it's not super sweet. It's, it's a pretty refreshing beer overall. You know, when I taste the beer, it tastes more like a normal croissant, not a chocolate croissant without the chocolate. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it moves a little more into that less sweet category. Well... Liquid bread, obviously, but uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> yep, it's, totally. it's bready. I honestly do, I do feel like I almost get when it in the taste. I almost get like I don't want to say caramel because I agree it's not super sweet, but mm-hmm. almost like the burnt car, like the burnt a burnt caramel that isn't a sweet kind of flavor. Mm, okay, interesting. Like a little touch of that. Here's a trick you can play: take a sip with your nose plugged. I know oh, we've done this before, but what's happening on the palate is there is actually a little bit of sugar. And there is bitterness, okay? There's not mm-hmm. a, so much bitterness that the beer seems like a bitter beer, but there's some bitterness. And so that bitterness takes the beer into a more savory realm. And so when you mm-hmm. say you lose the sweetness of the croissant when you actually taste it, mm-hmm. and you lose the sweetness of caramel when you taste it, you get this slight bitterness of dark caramel. Or you get the you know the dryness of a croissant without the, the, cho- the chocolat, you know, without the chocolate. That is probably because the hops are in there adding all these bitter flavors as well as herbal aromas, herbal yeah, sort of peppery. It's almost like, it's almost like I, I feel like I'm about to get a honeysuckle that gets interrupted. Awesome. <laughs> that's Oh, Larry, that's fantastic. That's kind of what this beer wants to do. I think that's great. So the f- modern fest beer, which is what this is, it's the pale colored, slightly strong, slightly alcoholic pale lager is meant to lean just slightly soft. All right. So a lot of people think, you know, they'll they'll describe their favorite beer as balanced, okay? As if balance is a good thing. Some styles of beer want to be balanced. Some breweries want their beers to be balanced. Other breweries and other styles of beer, other specific beers, they don't care. It's not about balance. And something like a West Coast IPA uh, or a, you know, really dry, intense Imperial Stout is going to be much more in the kind of, it leans hard is the way I describe it. So it leans like bitter and intense, okay? Or sour beers can be intense and bitter, or sorry, um, intense and sour, and so they're hard. But a soft beer might be something that's just like really low in bitterness, really low in acidity, but lots of sweetness and lots of sweet, lush aromas. Uh, and so this beer is not supposed to be balanced, but it's just lean slightly soft. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's got a lot of malt with honey, bready aromas and malt aromas, straight up malt aroma, um, with enough hops to bring it back from the edge of being too soft but without the, enough hops and bitterness to make it super balanced or intense uh, and lean hard at all. So it's a slightly soft leaning beer. I could drink a lot of this. I could. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, fill very, a liter. I, could, I could throw down yeah. a, li- a liter of this pretty easily. Yeah. Well, they've cracked the code. That is, 
Hundred, hundreds of years of German innovation. And I think that dryness too, it, it makes me want another one. Like I'm already plotting the second one I'm going to drink. Exactly. I, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, who wants to drink a lot of something that's like really sweet or really thick, right? Really full body. You want something that's a little bit, so, um, you know, a little bit more refreshing. And the, the way, the key to refreshing is to make it dry, meaning not a lot of sugar. Yeah. And if you have sugar in your beer or your beverage or whatever, you need something to balance that sugar. And bitterness and acid are the best ways to balance that, like lemonade, for instance, or Coca-Cola. Okay, those things are really sweet, but lemonade has acid to balance the sweetness, and Coca-Cola has acid. It also has uh, bitterness in the form of carbon dioxide. So those bubbles balance some of that sweetness. This is, good, I mean, yeah, this is definitely a, you know, I've had a couple of other fest beers over the last couple. I mean, I actually like this one the most, to be honest. Even though you're saying it's probably like slightly, you know, deteriorating. It's, well, um, a slightly, you know, a, a Hofbräu Oktoberfest beer at, you know, no, score of 96 for how good it can be might be better than other fest beers you've had that weren't as good to be good. You know? Okay, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I like it. This is very, this is very drinkable. Like, this is a, yeah. this is a, a nice beer. Like, I awesome. want to just have some in the fridge because it's just really mm-hmm. easy to throw this in. And Rich, I have a question for you. It's slightly off of this, but it's just because it popped into my head. I was having... And maybe I don't know if this is appropriate for right now. And I don't taste this in this beer. But speaking of off flavors in beer, and I don't know what is that? If you this metal metal kind of, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a penny or you sucking on or like mm-hmm. you know the feel. Am I am I on? Do you know what I'm talking about? What is that flavor yeah, in a totally. beer? Like sometimes I will get a beer and pour it, and it'll just taste something. Something will taste metallic, and it yeah. just feels off. What is that? It's awful. It's metal, literally metal. I hate that flavor. Yeah, it's a drag. Would that usually be because of how it was stored, or you know, in the way that something gets a beer gets skunked or light burned, or you know, stuff like that? Or is there any specific yeah. like interaction with beer that yeah. that makes it metallic? Yeah, it's rare that it would come from the brewery. The brewery, you know, beer sits around in metal vats and tanks all the mm. time, but it's usually stainless steel nowadays. Um, stainless steel now, it was not reactive so it's not going to it's not going to exchange metal ions with the beer but a uh, more common source i get this on draft a lot frequently so there are like two types of like you know like faucets okay you know wh- one of the worst words in the beer industry is tap as far as like being confusing because tap can mean like eight different things in the beer industry so uh, you know the technical term for the the actual thing that the beer flows out of into your glass at the bar that's called the faucet Okay, so faucets, there are two main types. One is the cheaper type, and it's like 25 bucks a faucet, okay? And it, it's uh, brass that's coated in chrome. And then the other type is about $50 a faucet, and it's all stainless steel. And how much was, so the, again, how much was the first one? Uh, 25 bucks. Okay. okay, so stainless steel is about 50 bucks a pop, you know, for a faucet, and uh, the brass, chrome. or sorry, chrome-plated brass, <laughs> sorry, chrome-plated brass, I've had a couple beers today, did I mention that? <laughs> it's about, it's half the price, 25 okay? So if you're a bar, a bar that's opening up and you got like 20 taps, ah, I said it taps, 20 faucets, 20 draft lines, then you know you're about to pay $400 for faucets if you get the cheaper ones, or $800 for faucets. No, a thousand. Am I doing this math right? You guys know how to do math. You do math on your own, okay? Uh, so <laughs> uh, you've got you got some decisions to make on the budget. But the issue with the with chrome plated brass is that brass is a soft metal. It's called. And so if the chrome gets scratched off at all, uh, then, oh, then the brass is going to. Yeah, you're exposing ions. the brass. Uh, yeah, 
exposing the, exposing the brass to beer. And I get this all the time. It's not just faucets that this happens on, but also couplers. Those are, those are the things that actually seat into the valve mm. on top of the keg. So, you know, like with a plastic yeah. handle. Yeah. So couplers are, you know, they get banged up all the time in the, in the back when you're changing a keg. And then up front, uh, you know, sorry, in back is like in the, in the cooler. If you're a bartender yeah. and you're changing a keg, up front is at the bar where you can see stuff. It'll be the um, bar bag changing the keg. The bartenders are too high. Uh, too high. <laughs> well, you've worked at fancy large places. It sounds like to hire a bar back. But yeah, so if you're you know uh, if you're up front and you're cleaning draft lines at all, and you you scrape them up at all using uh, metal brushes or or you know whatever you're using to clean the faucets, if you're not gentle with them, or if you bang a bunch of glasses up there, you know I see bartenders all the time. They're they're like you know just just kind of beating up the faucets as they use them, you end up scratching off some of that chrome. And so you expose brass to beer and beer is full of bubbles that agitate stuff and they beer is acidic. And so that ends up leaching out ions out of the Mm. brass into the beer. So you're literally drinking metal. You're not drinking enough for it to be bad for you, but it's enough to actually create an off aroma in the Mm -hmm. beer. And And so it smells, smells like pennies. Yeah. Well, and oftentimes, too, I mean, I, I definitely get it from a tap, mm-hmm. but I also get it in bottles. There's sometimes I'm like a bottle, yeah. I buy like a six pack of something and like it won't be all of them, but just like one of them would be very, it's like, what is, mm-hmm. it'll just taste real off. And you're saying similar, similar, similar things can happen. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens, <laughs> you, you're, you're never going to get this off a can. In the old days, like our grandfathers would, would complain about cans tasting metallic. But cans nowadays are, they have this little uh, plastic liner in them that protects, you know, basically separates the metal from the beer. But in a bottle, um, the cap also has a plastic liner on it um, that separates the the beer from the metal in the cap. But sometimes that liner gets scuffed up or, you know, it has an oxygen absorption function. The actual plastic liner does. Um, And if you peel off the, or take a look at the underside of the cap, on a bottle of beer, especially an imported bottle of beer that might have been sitting around for a little while, um, what happens is that uh, that liner is busy sucking up any air or oxygen that might be getting into that bottle, um, which is a good thing. It helps to make the beer taste better. But if you look at that cap, you might find a little uh, air bubbles underneath that plastic liner. So it kind of did its job, but it eventually runs out of that ability. It's sort of just like it sucks up as much oxygen as it can. But if your beer is like a year old, and especially if it's stored warm rather than being refrigerated, um, you run that risk. And so at that point, you might experience beer getting into, you know, kind of, I don't know, somehow getting underneath that plastic liner and interacting with the metal and and dissolving some of it. So, yeah, it's usually not going to be an issue on cans, usually not going to be an issue on fresh beers or beers that aren't real aged. But bottled beers that are aged or bars that don't have fully stainless um, uh, hardware you're going to get it. And, and sometimes a, a real drag. Sometimes a bird will fly into the bottling plant carrying like a penny and it'll drop the mm-hmm. penny and the penny, penny will drop in the bottle. Did I not mention that? No, that's yeah. yeah that's I mean, that's one. the obvious one. No, yeah. I'm covering that you. I read Michael Jackson. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. It's just another off taste. It's, it's more <laughs> obscure, but you know, this is a deep, deep dive podcast about beer. Hey, um, you got to know it all. You got to so, know it all. So Rich, to bring it back to, to the beer, I do want to real, real quick. It's fun to like when you give your thoughts on like the flavors. When you do the very, you know, tasting experty thing of like take a sip and you say what what are you getting hints of? What are you getting flavors of? So why don't you do that mm. for us? Because you've heard our our bready bready takes. Yeah. Uh, well. All right. Well. Let's go through the 
through the order of operations here. Okay, so appearance. When I look at this beer, I see that it's crystal clear. It's it's tapped. I mean, not anymore for me because it's the foams receded, but um, it was capped with a uh, thick head of um, you know kind of persistent lacing and white foam. So white is the color of the foam. The beer itself is about five to six SRM, so that means it's in the gold to deep gold uh, category. Then taking a, a smell of it, this is kind of hard for beer. Really, anyone that's doing full technical tasting on whether it's beer or wine or whatever, smelling stuff without having tasted it is kind of tricky. So if you can't smell a lot of aromas, just take a sip, and then as you breathe out through your nose after you've swallowed the, the beer or the wine or whatever, you're going to get a lot stronger an impression of those aromas. But I do like to try to smell the aromas just ahead of time before tasting. Because when you taste stuff, it skews your your perception of those aromas. But when I just smell this beer, the aromas I get are, um, let's see here, I'm getting, yeah, definitely some honey, uh, full malt, um, both baguette crust as well as baguette crumb. So like white bread, as well as the, the crust on the white mm-hmm. bread. Um, yeah, I can see some cracker, though it's covered up a little bit by some of the sweeter aromas, aromas that I'm uh, perceiving as sweet. Don't get caramel. I don't get any nuts off this. Um, at this color spectrum and this amount of malt, you might start to get light nuttiness in it, but I'm not getting any in this beer. Um, hops, let's go through other aromas. Uh, hops, you might uh, pick out herbs or fruit, things like that. Um, I'm not really getting that. This beer is not really about about those aromas. Um, I'm getting a slight um, carbonation aroma. So a little bit of sort of like a just real slight medicinal hint that just comes straight from CO2. Okay. It just smells like CO2, but overall I'm just getting lots of nice malt um, nuance to it. And I, I really enjoy that. No off flavors. I'm not getting any, uh, you know, butter or uh, actually, yeah, with this one, I'm not getting any corn off it, which is nice too. Um, when you use a lot of pale malt, especially German Pilsner malt, um, you can get a little bit of corn off this, and I'm not getting a lot of that. I think there might be some, but in fact, it's just being covered up by all those nice malt, bread, and um, and honey aromas. Um, okay, so let's take a sip. Yeah, tell us what you get. Take a sip, swish it, swish it in your mouth, swallow. Okay, you, so you thank you for narrating that. You, I needed, you, I needed this. What do you get? What do you get? <laughs> no, that's good. I needed a sec because <laughs> when you, when I take a sip, it's best not to breathe out. So I take a sip and it's really, it's kind of an awkward movement, but I, um, I just kind of move the beer around across my palate a little bit and then swallow it. And I make sure not to breathe at all so that I can really assess just the amount of sweetness and the amount of bitterness and the amount of acidity in the beer without being skewed by aromas like, like honey, for instance. Okay. So honey makes you think of sweet stuff. So it accentuates the actual sweetness that's in the beer. And the beer is not a particularly sweet beer. Okay. It's also not particularly bitter. Overall, it's quite refreshing. Um, however, there is some sweetness to it. So I put this probably at like 2.5 or 2.7 Play-Doh, um, which is uh, an expression of, it's the same as bricks in wine. So it's about 2.5 to 2.7% uh, sugar by weight on this one. And um, and the, the bitterness is probably right in at like 30 bitterness units or something like that. So it's got some bitterness, but it's not a ton. Yeah. Actually, it's lower than that. It's probably 20, 26 bitterness units. Um, that comes from hop, uh, are you, hops being added. Can you, are you good at guessing the IBU? Are you good at guessing the bitterness? I think so, but there have been times that I've been surprised. Hmm. I've never done it where it went. Well, actually, that's a, that's a lie. I've never done it when a lab has like provided me results of what I've actually tasted. Um, I used to do that at a brewery I worked at when we sent all our beers off to lab to get um, analyzed. But I would taste the beer, and then we'd send it off to lab and get the results. And by the time we got the results, a couple weeks later, the beer was gone. 
So it was hard for me to do it side by side. I've just done it enough to get pretty close, but I don't have, I'm certainly not perfect at it. I didn't know how exact like someone could be in the tasting. Yeah. Um, What I've, what I've read is that humans have a hard time distinguishing um, in finer gradations than Mm -hmm. about five bitterness units, which seems pretty big to me. That's a pretty big range. If we both tasted a beer that was 28 bitterness units and you said it was 30 and I said it was 25 bitterness units, that would technically be within the, what is it, the range of deviation or, or what are the statistical oh, yeah. The margin terms? of error or something? Yeah, margin of error. Yeah, sure. So technically we would both be right based on only, you know, only using our palates. Or if a beer, say there, there are two versions of the same beer, you know, I, I brew a Pilsner uh, one month at my brewery and then I brew it again the next month and, and I increase the hops. From you know, I increase the bitterness from like thirty bitterness units on on the first one to thirty five bitterness units. Supposedly, we're not supposed to be able to tell that difference. However, in my experience, you really can taste that difference. Um, however, I've spent a lot of time working on my palate. So, you know, for a lot of people, don't worry about you know, don't you know, trying to figure out the the real differences among all these real sensitive IBU ranges or IBU numbers. The other thing is that the perception of IBUs is really skewed by a lot of different other things in beer. Beer is a really complex mixture of flavors. So, you know, you're balancing your perception of bitterness off of a thousand other things, including residual sugar, uh, various aromas that you're getting that seem sweet, potentially um, acidity, uh, carbonation, mouthfeel. Um, you know, are you, is it a full-bodied beer that seems real sweet and viscous, or is it a really thin beer? Um, does it have astringency? They're just, you know... There are a thousand different things, so it's it's hard. You got to kind of. I almost feel like I'm getting more acidity from it. A lot. <laughs> I almost feel like I'm getting more acidity from it as I'm mm-hmm. like finish as it's like kind of warming up a little, and I'm getting towards like the end of the glass. Yeah. Is that does that make sense? Should I be? Well, yeah. I mean, as anything warms up, you're going to be able to perceive more flavors yeah, off of it. Exactly. However, keep in mind as as it warms up, not only are you going to be able to perceive more acidity, but you're also going to perceive more sugar. You know, more sweetness. Yeah. I definitely um, perceive more sugar. Are yeah. you? Let me ask. Also, let me ask a. Uh, an etiquette question, I guess I'll call it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm getting to the end. It's warming up a little bit. This beer in particular, I like cold. Yeah. Would it be wrong of me? Would it be a faux, a beer faux pas if I were to freshen up the drink before I finished off this one? Or should I kill this one before I pour more in there? That would be a faux pas. It would be a faux pas. All right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. good. <laughs> drink your damn beer. <laughs> <laughs> I just that's why I am. I think some people might want to freshen it up. And, uh, don't do it. Rich so I, I spent a lot of time in, in the spent a lot of summers in uh, South Carolina. And we drank a lot of sweet tea. And uh, when I go now, I'm like, you know, I eat enough fattening foods in my life. I try to cut out some sugar to cut out some calories. Look, I drink a lot of beer. Okay, I don't need that much more sugar sugar calories. So when I drink iced tea now uh, at a restaurant, I will add sweet and low or equal or whatever to it, Splenda, whatever. I know that's all chemicals, but I want my my, my tea sweet. And it drives me nuts when I sweeten it to the amount that I want, and I drink half a glass, and then the server comes over. Out oh, of, they thought, uh, yeah. Uh, good training. It's good uh, training. It's attentiveness. Uh, he or she is being I nice, and they top it off with a bunch of unsweetened tea. It's like you uh, just ruined my balance. I totally agree. I'm, yeah, I'm particular with coffee, and I have that exact same <laughs> thing where I'm like, no, like I will want more, but not, not now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> it's a tough life. Well, 
I man, I heard a I heard a your, your transition to to wrapping up here, but I, I was gonna I was gonna ask I was just gonna ask if there's anything else you want to do uh, to address with the beer or anything else you want to say about. Well, it. yeah, we're not we're not done with the order of, order of operations. Oh crap! We've only used three of our senses. Here, I apologize. Okay? So we've used our sense of sight, we've used our sense of smell, we've used our sense of taste, but we need to use our sense of uh, touch next. So uh, tasting beer, fully tasting beer at a technical or professional level, really is is another term for it is sensory analysis. So you use as many senses as you can. So mouthfeel is an incredibly important part of this. So when you taste this beer, when you drink this beer, you should be able to feel that it's not astringent, meaning that there's no, you know, astringency could mean that there's oak aging in it or that there's rye added to it or, uh, you know, other flavorings like coffee or chocolate or, you know, fruits or mm. something like that that bring in tannins. So all those, all those things I just mentioned are tannic. And so that can be nice in certain beers, but it's not present in this beer. And that's good, you know, good for this beer. I get, uh, I would call this medium to medium light in mouthfeel. So any, any more full body than that is going to make it less refreshing, let, you know, harder to drink. And the, the brewers of this beer want you to drink a lot of it. So it's not super full in body. I think the carbonation is right where, you know, you'd expect for a pale lager. Um, so probably 2.6 uh, volumes of CO2. Um, so that seems normal. However, there's a choice to make as a brewer. It's like, all right, well, this is a 6.3% alcohol beer, kind of pushing medium in body. The more CO2 you add to it, the less refreshing it's going to be because it's just more stuff to get down your throat into your stomach, and then you got to burp it out and all that stuff. So, you know, the more CO2 that's in there, the less it refreshing out. it can be. But the less CO2, if there's too little CO2, the beer will just seem kind of too yeah. too sweet, you know, too malty. And so there's there's like a magic spot for every beer for the amount of co2 that the brewers want that's going to balance drinkability with promoting aromatics as well as you know you know uh touching on on history and accuracy for the style so i like that they've toned this down a little bit from 2.7 volumes which is kind of standard for something like budweiser or coors light or something like that so it's just a little bit less carbonation than that so anyway yeah that's kind of what i'm getting i'm also not getting a um, alcohol that's another thing do you feel any warmth mm any heat on your palate from the alcohol. You shouldn't because this no. beer is meant to be super, super drinkable. However, at 6.3% alcohol, that's sort of where you might start getting into that range where you might be able to get a little bit of warmth from that alcohol. So they're doing their best to ferment this thing cold and hide hide all that booze that's in there. And you can taste that difference like on a 7% alcohol beer, like especially like a Belgian double or something like that, Belgian Abbey double at 7% alcohol. You're going to taste that booze because of the activity, just how that yeast works and the temperature of that fermentation. But a 7% alcohol uh, Doppelbach or a Maybach or something like that, you know, a lager from Germany that's 7% alcohol, you're probably not going to get that heat on the palate. Um, and that's, again, that's because of fermentation temperature being low and the, the DNA and the, the behavior of that yeast. So interesting stuff that gets into the nerdy stuff when you talk about mouth. <laughs> you know, beer has a lot to show off on that when you can analyze it through uh, no, mouth feels fun i'm glad we don't talk about it a ton i feel like we all, it, you know we always get through like taste and stuff but i feel like mouth mm-hmm. feels like why beer owns wine you know in my <laughs> personal opinion. It there's so much more character to it often i mean not that wine you mm-hmm. know wine is fine and i enjoy it mm-hmm. and there is sparkling wines and stuff like that but beer you can really have such a wide range of cool little different like yeah, said, yeah. The, the, the biggest problem though the taste. If, the, you know, by the same by the same token, flip that coin over. That primary uh, mouthfeel of beer for a lot of people is that it's full bodied and heavy, mm-hmm. you know, compared to wine, and so that limits the amount that limits the appeal of beer. Obviously, beer is incredibly 
popular around the world, but a lot of people end up sort of growing out of it and say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm too old to drink beer. I, I'm too sensitive. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Mouthfeel is incredibly yeah. important for beer and wine. So, yeah, did we enjoy our little trip to Munich? I think we loved it. I, think we had a I loved time. it. I, I can't wait to refill this glass. Beautiful. <laughs> I can't wait for a real trip to Munich. I, I know. Well, get, you, get yourself a Peloton. You can ride the Bad Reichs and yeah, these beautiful people. I, I'll just get a drone. I'll fly it over there. <laughs> Guys, thanks. Thanks for for festing with me. Thank you, Rich. This is really a tasty taster. Thanks everyone for uh, listening to a Liquid Bread podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Liquid Bread Pod or on Instagram at Liquid Bread Pod. Hit us up if you have any beers that that you think is good enough for old Rich here um, that you'd like just to taste. <laughs> let us know. Um, hit us on the, the, the Twitter or Instagram or uh, email us at liquidbreadpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And until next time, Gamutlikite. <laughs> Gamutlikite. Happy beering, everyone. Oh, you got happy Happy beering. beering. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to try to move this <laughs> No, too late. Right, no.